Welcome to the Chirpin' Birds podcast. We're here after game three of the preseason Eagles-Jets. We're finally through with training camp and preseason, and we're gearing up for final cutdown day on Tuesday the 31st uh, in preparation for September 12th against uh, the Falcons for week one. We're here. We're excited. The Eagles had a very hilarious end to the game last night. We'll talk about it. And uh, before we get any further, uh, I'm Ian here along with Mike. Mike, how, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. Um, a little heartbroken after that last minute. Hail Mary. They're starting early this year. Two-point conversion. Uh, I feel a little bad for Nick Sirianni that he just had his first NFL win taken away from him as a head coach. But, you know, flush it down the toilet onto the regular season. How you doing? I'm doing good. Uh, last night was uh, exciting, for, even though the, the ending was hilariously uh, bad. But um, uh, I, it was nice to see the Eagles have a close end of the game. Like it was exciting kind of back and forth. I just caught the second half. Um, so the uh, they, they were up 24-10 at the half. And uh, it was just nice to, to see them kind of give up a couple touchdowns, get a touchdown. Uh, it was a little back and forth with the third stringers, uh, low stakes, and a uh, disappointing end. The delightful touch of it happening at the hands of Josh Adams. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, that was just karma for me, uh, totally blanking on the trivia question from last week. <laughs> That's right. But uh, just, <clears throat> excuse me, a couple of news and notes uh, before we get into this week of uh, Eagles practice and, and, and talk more about the preseason game. Uh, we're recording here on uh, the 28th, uh, Saturday evening or night uh, for the East Coast. Uh, anyway, so on the 22nd, the Eagles signed tight end uh, Carrie Angeline. And uh, placed tight end Jason Kroom on uh, injured reserve, reserve slash injured, uh, you know, injured reserve. Uh, Kroom we'll had that if, back injury in week two yeah. of the preseason. We'll see if Angeline makes either of our fifty-three man. Yeah, that that's that's the uh, that's the big tease. That's the big tease <laughs> early in this uh, episode here. Um, the following day on the twenty-third, they waived uh, Jamon Os- Ospin. Uh, wide receiver Hakeem Butler, center Harry Kreider, and uh, cornerback Lavert Hill. On the 24th, they waived uh, inj- an injured uh, linebacker, Joe Osman, uh, who's been sort of uh, in the Eagles' uh, periphery for the last few years. Um, he had that season-ending injury the, the other year, a couple yeah. of years ago, too. He's right? had a, yeah. rough, a rough string of uh, good training camps and then just very untimely injuries yeah he seems like a, a your type of guy guy because uh, 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 <laughs> i loved know. injured camp bodies yeah <laughs> and, and under the radar name that you could pull out of your pocket and uh uh five years from now and no one will remember well what is interesting about him is that my lot of credits osman for so much of his development so if there's nothing else, Joe Osman has contributed to most likely our left tackle of the future. So That's way to good. go, Joe. He's listed as a linebacker, but I thought he was a defensive end uh, initially. Yeah, so that's – I think they re-labeled him as a linebacker, but he was in that Sam position, which is the rushing, like, stand-up linebacker slash right. joker. okay. So he's, he, has, he is more of an edge rusher, but – is kind of on that in between, like so it's like a Jernard, a Jernard Avery. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, even even uh, we teach each other some things on this podcast, and yeah. uh, we'll we'll uh, let the record show. We just spent a nice uh, two minutes on Joe Osman. So, um, anyway, the big news of of the week uh, actually happened today, where the Eagles trade for uh former now former jacksonville jaguars do you say jaguars or jaguars i think i say the jacksonville jaguars interesting 
I say Jaguars. Anyway, uh, for now former uh, Jacksonville Jaguars quarterback Gardner Minshew, Minshew Mania comes to Philadelphia. Um, the Eagles trade uh, for him in exchange for a conditional six-round pick in 2022, and uh, in doing so, the Eagles released the uh, uh, former third-string uh, quarterback Nick Mullins. End Tough of the Mullins era. Tough break for me. Um, the, it the, just went downhill after you plant your flag on Mullins Island. Yeah, that uh, I'll, I'll own that for, for the rest <laughs> of the season. And then we need to let, let that bit die. Uh, <laughs> so the six round pick uh, conditional six could be a fifth. If Minshew plays in 50% of the uh, plays in th- three games this season, that's, it seems like a very convoluted uh, negotiation there, but uh more more power to whoever uh, i guess the jaguar i don't know i don't know how likely that is um we, we don't have a numbers guy on this podcast we're, we're a small um uh, staff here um so uh Minshew, who uh just turned 25 has two years left on his contract uh salary this year is eight hundred and fifty thousand dollars and next year it's scheduled to be $965,000. So that both uh, under a million for your third string, what could be second string, who knows what will happen this year. Uh, quarterback, his first two years, he uh, had a 62.9 uh, completion percentage uh, for about 6.9 yards per attempt. I shouldn't say about, that's the average. That's what it is. Um, <laughs> he had 37 touchdowns and 11 picks. And uh, as far as the Philly connection goes, he uh, supplanted Nick Foles the year uh, Nick Foles broke his collarbone, I believe it was. Um, And now is here in Philly seems to uh, I I don't I wouldn't say anything about his style is really like Philadelphia um, on the surface, like the mustache, the mullet, but like the, the vibe is very weird like that's very philadelphia so um it feels like he'd fit in for like the the mystique of the team um but what what was your impression of of this when when the news broke my my first reaction was like all right like nice this is like a nice impactful trade um i think my second reaction was like wait, 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 what about Joe Flacco? Like, <laughs> yeah, I think if the Eagles could go back in time, I don't think they would have given that money to Joe Flacco. Uh, he does have a good uh, amount of guaranteed money on his deal. So I don't see this impacting Flacco or his standing in the room. I think, um, I think Minshew, even though like I would probably rate Minshew as a better quarterback, like on game day, if, Hertz was injured like I'd definitely say like put in Minshew I think what he's done in his NFL career isn't better than Flacco but at this point I think he would be like a more impactful quarterback come game day what do you think I mean yeah I had a similar initial reaction I I wasn't super sure how I felt about it it seemed like a sort of non um move move like a non-impactful move assuming Hertz is healthy and they don't make another move uh great like they'll 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 be a better team like it's it's it makes for a better product on the field for us viewers I'm not sure if it makes sense if um you know you if Hertz is injured or bad if Flacco takes over and you you win three, four, five games, you get a better pick. Um, so it's not really an in, an investment for the future type move, but they've been making a lot of moves, especially on the defensive side of the ball, that uh, are sort of a, a be competitive now move. Like they can definitely win the division. There, there's a path to winning the division this year. Um, Dak has been injured and sort of slow to come back uh, in training camp. Uh, the the Cowboys 
seemed to be poised as last year to have a very high powered offense and a average or below average defense. Um, you don't really know what Ryan Fitzpatrick's going to do in a full season and Washington's defense is very good and the giants are the giants. So there's, there's a pathway to depending how the division matchups go uh, to winning the division and, and having a play hosting a playoff game. So in that case, like if you kind of feel like seven, eight wins is their floor this year, I think it's a, it's a good move because even if Hertz is, uh, goes down, you still have uh, Minshew and then a solid backup to, to Minshew and Flacco, assuming that's kind of how it shakes out uh, mm-hmm. for the playoffs. Um, but if you view it as the uh, ever-looming Deshaun Watson trade rumor situation and Hertz would be involved in a, in a package there, which are some... Uh, rumors and talk I've seen on Twitter today from Eagles beat writers and and other writers, then you're sort of um, banking on Minshew Flacco for the season while the legal situation with Watson kind of plays out. Um, That deal would, wouldn't be as simple as like a bunch of picks and Jalen hurts for, for Deshaun Watson. There would probably be a bunch of like pick, um, uh, what's the word like uh, pick uh, securities or protections, whatever, protections. Um, thank you uh, for that deal to be made so uh, the Eagles have always been rumored I saw a thread today I forget uh, what reporter it was but that the Dolphins are like in the lead to land Watson uh, with the Eagles and uh, I think maybe the Broncos or a couple other teams uh, in the mix as well. So, uh, some, some, uh, reporting I've seen today, uh, is saying that this Minshew move is the move before a bigger move or, or another move. Uh, so it is something to monitor, but if you go into the season with Minshew as your third string, as far as uh, salary goes, I guess he would be like third string, but as far as talent goes, I'm not sure if they view him as a developmental uh, guy who's had some NFL experience or if they view him as, as the backup or, or if he's going to give Hertz, like uh, uh, if he's going to compete with Hertz to be the starter, but uh, all those things is kind of like giving me pause to have a real solid feeling on this trade because I'm not, it's not totally clear, at least to me, what the purpose of the trade was besides just to make the team better. I think there's like an underlying uh, element to it. Gotcha. Yeah. I think ultimately, like, I think the reason they're doing this was just because the value was like too good to pass up. We knew that uh, both Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman value not only the starting quarterback, but your backup backup quarterback, like so highly, like, probably the most in the league. That's all. That's how highly they regard it. Quarterback factory. Yeah. You got that. Um, So, I mean, I think the value was too good. And I think they're also eyeing him as the backup in 2022. Once Flacco's out of here. Um, So like they already have that position earmarked for a guy who shouldn't be making more than a mil or a little bit more than that next season. So I think it's a good deal. The value is great. Uh, looking at his numbers, like 37 touchdowns and 11 interceptions. I know it wasn't on a good team and that some of those could have been garbage time where like the other defense is just a little bit relaxed and, um, you know, soft defense. But I think there's clearly talent here. And to get that for a sixth pick that could turn into a fifth round pick, like that's, that's just a really smart deal, in my opinion. Um, and we should note that Dave Caldwell, who is the former GM of the Jaguars, he's now, I believe, an assistant or like a consultant for Howie. So I think he def he definitely um, you know gave him some intel on the player and person that he is. And that's this is the second trade that we've made with the Jaguars this preseason. The other one being. Josiah Scott. And then the last thing I'll say is that um, two years ago, um, 
we the Eagles drafted Clayton Thorson, I believe, eleven picks ahead of Minshew. And we know how Thorson's career went, so this is kind of like a redoing the wrong of that. So just a little interesting nugget there. I think like he probably won't be a backup immediately this season. Obviously, he has to get familiar with the playbook and whatnot, but it wouldn't surprise me to see him jump Flacco at some point later in the season, and I think you can earmark him as the backup for next season. So overall, I'd be like, I'd just say, like, well done, Howie. You found value, and I I think he brings a lot of kind of like folklore fandom to the team, which in Philadelphia goes a long way. Uh, doing a little quick math here uh, could be could be incorrect. I'm not a big math guy, but uh, uh, so Minshew's last two seasons. This is to put this in perspective for for the Eagles: uh, 37 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. That's about a, a three and a third um, uh, to one ratio. Three three point three uh, touchdowns per interception. Uh, Carson Wentz through um uh uh sorry i didn't add add this up correctly oh big math 40 sorry 40 43 to 22 43 touchdowns to 22 interceptions about 1.9 touchdowns per intercept so he's throwing less touchdowns for every interception uh by about one full uh touchdown to compared to gardner Minshew on a Jacksonville Jaguars team versus the Eagles. I know the Eagles uh, um, receivers and, and all that and injuries and all that, but, uh, uh, and I'm not adding in snaps and uh, all that stuff as well. Again, quick math, not a big math guy uh, just off the cuff here, but that's a pretty significant difference uh, in about the same the same numbers. Uh, well, I guess it, Carson threw double the interceptions, but um, and its completion uh, percentage was a, a few points higher as well. Uh, Gardner Minshew's to, to Carson. So uh, any anything compared to Carson's performance last year, if you get like average Gardner Minshew, I, I think that's better. So mm-hmm. that's you know five wins if if Minshew's a starter. Uh, not saying he will be over Hertz, but if there's an issue with Hertz or something or a trade, uh, I, I would assume Minshew would be the, uh, the starter for most of the season. So, you know, that's, I wouldn't say, uh, inspiring or, or confidence building, but it's definitely a, a lower floor than, than last year's Carson performance, um, yeah, it's way more talent than you would find in the like the next next year's draft in the fifth or sixth round as far as like right. yeah. immediate a day impact. three pick for this guy is, right. is a good value, like you said. Oh. And we should mention Minshew's fresh off of a hotly contested training camp battle for the first quarterback for the Jaguars. Yeah, Urban, I don't... Urban Meyer decided to wait like the full extent of um the preseason to announce the starter, even though Trevor Lawrence was the first overall pick and they split the first team snaps throughout the whole camp. So that's good for Minshew getting all the work. That's crazy. All that work in, so. Yeah. Yeah. Good for us. But that that's insane. Uh, uh, splitting the, like getting a 50% of the reps he could have gotten for, for them to trade, trade him. But this is not a Jaguars podcast. And I, to, I I I would think I'm speaking for you as well, saying I don't I don't care about the uh, the 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 pathway of the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars franchise. But um, uh, moving on, so this week the Eagles had two joint practices with the Jets, similar to uh, the prior week with uh, the Patriots, in anticipation of their preseason game. Uh, it seemed that the joint practice with the jets was uh similar to the the one with the patriots as in the eagles pretty much dominated both days uh in drills which uh it seems to me i am not sure if this is how it was trending i wasn't paying as close attention uh well last year was interesting because of covid but uh so it's been a couple of years since they've had normal uh 
training camp, but uh, these joint practices are sort of getting more uh, weight from coaches and, and reporters and, and uh, just full, complete perspective on the team front offices uh, than, than the preseason games are. Um, you, you're able to run red zone, 10 red zone plays in a row. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas yeah, it's a in, much in a more game, controlled yeah. environment. Yeah. So those sort of battles have uh, been much more um, uh, valued than, than the, the preseason performances. Um, some, some people think they shouldn't have the preseason at all. Uh, it's, you know, it's, uh, I, I think it's valuable to give the starters some real live action in a game uh, prior to uh, the season. But um, now that we're down to three games, it seems like game two might be like what game three was where the, uh, the, the starters play most of the game or the, the full first half or something like that. Um, I found myself how I, have felt for quite some time with the preseason. Granted, uh, the the bit has died that I didn't that, that I'm not watching the the preseason games at all because I did catch the entire second half. I watched some of the first game, um, uh, uh, some of the most of the second half here, but um, I quickly found myself not a, very engaged at all. Uh, as the cut downs happen and it becomes more clear who's who, who are the familiar names, who's going to make the team. And we'll get into our updated 53 man rosters later in the episode, but um, uh, I just find myself not really caring how the third and fourth stringers do. And like, I'll, I'll see a Craig James in there, Elijah Riley. It's like, if I, if I see him week one or week, six after an injury or something it makes little difference to me so uh not very uh amped up for these preseason games i have to say um but uh uh before we move on to the game uh just a couple joint practice takeaways um it seems like some uh guys that were injured like andre dillard returned uh no no real storyline with with him uh seems like my lot is definitely the uh starting left tackle there um the eagles defense dominated uh, offense looked good uh quez watkins is still a strong uh talent and uh kenny gainwell is sort of uh become this very reliable uh pass catching running back um uh, I think the bit, the biggest thing after the Tyree Jackson injury is Jack Stoll is sort of uh, slotted in there. Uh, I, I don't really have a ton of joint practice stuff. Like the, the defense looked really good. I think the defense is going to be a lot better than, than we thought. Uh, it really was turned from a weakness to a strength with uh, Steven Nelson and Kerrigan and all these other guys, Eric Wilson, Anthony Harris. So uh, I think that Howie had a decent to very good off season um, at the very least, like putting the, the bandaid one year deals on, on the team. So the defense was uh, serviceable and now it seems to be like a, a strength could be a, in the top half this year. Yeah. Agreed. I think, um, I don't think we have to like come up with an official word, but I think like Hargrave had by most accounts, like the strongest, camp and preseason performance. And I think that's like really, really good news because um, Fletcher Cox has kind of, he hasn't like fallen off by any means, but the kind of like game wrecker Fletcher Cox that we know has faded a little bit. So I think having kind of a, a counterpart who can kind of take some of the pressure off him would not only help Fletcher, but I, I think like dividing that between the two of them. I think they'll just be like nightmares for guards and centers. And I think that's kind of where the defensive line really starts in that, in that middle. So really nice to see Hargrave make uh, a strong push in his second year. He kind of had it. He had it. He came on strong towards the end of the first season of his contract, but really good to see him kind of wreck all these uh, joint practices and, 
perform well in any team practices. Uh, Javon Hargrave, one of my guys, yeah, that's uh, a good one. might be the uh, the Malik Jackson that was promised uh, from a <laughs> couple of years ago, uh, being one of the best defensive tackles in the in the league, uh, and then breaking his foot in week one. So, uh, and then never really living up to expectations uh, last year. And now I think he's on Cleveland or something. Uh, I think so. Malik yeah. Jackson, yeah. So uh, that that's that's great to hear. Again, uh, defensive line, one of my favorite uh, uh, position groups. So uh, that's that's really nice. Um, and also, two of my guys are defensive linemen. Um, so moving on to the game, uh, all of the starters were sitting pretty much. Um, Boston Scott had a great performance. Uh, vintage Boston Scott, very, very small, very shifty, um, a, a very elusive. Uh, those are synonyms. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, he had a nice 50 yard touchdown reception, made a guy miss. Um, JJ Ortega Whiteside had a, a catch and run for a touchdown. He seems to be uh, that uh, uh, solidifying his his spot as the fourth or fifth uh solidifying his spot as maybe the last wide receiver maybe the, the last team. wide receiver <laughs> well i'm at least instilling more confidence than the other guy uh who's fighting him for for that spot in tra travis fulgham um flacco had a great first half 13 for 16 188 yards two touchdowns no interceptions 155.3 rating i don't really know how the ratings work still it's always confused me maybe one day i'll i'll figure it out i just know what's what's very good and what's average and what's bad um uh, a few other first half items from you i really just caught the second half so i have more to talk about about there yeah, um, T.Y. McGill had a good game. Um, he had two sacks and I think another tackle. Um, definitely like a performance that should put him squarely on the roster bubble come uh, deadline on Tuesday. Uh, Fulgham had a really unfortunate um, fumble strip. He, he was like on the way into the end zone and the, he got like held up and guys swarmed him and somebody ripped the ball out and it was like the you know the worst result in football which is when the fumble goes out the back of the end zone for a touchback um so really tough for Fulgham I know he's kind of also in the bubble there um Zach McPherson had a nice interception on a two-point conversion that seemed like it should have ended the game but we know how that ended up ending um Sipos did have a nice special team tackle, but for the first time in a preseason, we saw a few disappointing punts. I don't think that really will kind of change his standing in the roster, but uh, just something to take note there. And then Michael Jaquette had a, a nice stripped ball on a tackle, and he made the fatal mistake of returning the ball for a touchdown instead of just uh, getting the ball and kneeling or falling to the ground and running out the end of the game. I know it's just preseason, but you would like to see a player make the more heady move there, like Miles Sanders did, I believe, last year. Yeah. And uh, Teron Jackson had a nice late strip sack, but it was a very odd play because uh, not only did the quarterback get the ball taken from him, but the quarterback then recovered and got sacked a second time. <laughs> so it was kind of a weird play. It was like a, he lost the ball, then he picked it up casually, and then he got hit again. So that's everything. The, yeah. Eagles, the Eagles end their preseason 0-2-1 because Nick Sirianni cannot get a win. But I, honestly, I don't think it's a big deal. I, I think it's fine. And I think of all the games, I think, most people kind of will spend the least time thinking about this one. Yeah, uh, there's an interesting uh, fact uh, on the or stat uh, line on the broadcast. 
which the stat wasn't interesting, but it was just interestingly like worded or I, it stood out to me where it was like uh, the camera's on Nick Sirianni. And so Nick Sirianni has coached uh, 13 years in the NFL or like as 13 years experience coaching in the NFL where like I, it's, it's like, it, there was no context to it. And mm. it, it was just like a fact to, to put the fact out there and every national game is going to be like, this is his first head coaching gig and focus on him as a head coach right. or like what he did with the Colts last year or something like that. But just to say like 13 years, who like, I, I don't know the, the Sirianni biography or anything, but how many of those years are like buried in some coordinator, like wide receiver assistant thing, like, that's technically coaching. Like how many of those years were meaningful yeah. uh, coaching years is just like a weird, weird uh, fact to me. Definitely a nice plug for Sirianni. Yeah. I wonder if you yeah. paid them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When you're just trying to stab pad your resume, like I've been coaching the NFL for over a decade. <laughs> um, but when uh, the, the Jaquette thing uh, kind of uh, made me think of the, the Fulgham play, which, which you mentioned also of, uh, these sort of buried in the in the roster if they make the team or are just going to be on the bubble if they if they get cut guys uh, the the Fulgham thing was really like uh, encompassing of his camp to me it was three jets around him that kind of stripped him he catches the ball at the eight yard line and like f- strongly forces his way down to the three and then gets stripped um it it just seemed to me like he's he's the big body like alshon type receiver and uh he muscles his way which is one of his strengths like for an extra few yards down to the three yard line but uh his his strength had then become this uh like making all all of it for for nothing because of of the strip so um it seemed like a tough catch. Like he didn't fully have it right, right when he caught it. Um, but it, it was just like, so um, like it didn't, it didn't inspire confidence in, in that something like that would, would happen again for him, uh, not just going down or not like securing the ball. It seemed like he was moving before uh, he really secured it. Uh and then of course the the touchback happened so it was just like a typical uh I I wouldn't say it was like a bonehead play like a like the Jaquette one but it's just like both of those plays are from guys trying to make the team that um in in important points of the game like uh sort of change change the game uh completely so um, it, it doesn't inspire confidence and it, it makes me think like Fulgham's, uh, who's already had a poor camp and, uh, preseason performances are, uh, seems to be like, he's sort of, uh, that going to be the, the odd man out there. Um, so with that, I guess let's, let's try to, uh, get this 53 man, uh, predictions now. So, we, we did this a few weeks ago before uh, in the first week or two of training camp. And uh, Tuesday's the final cut down from 80 to 53. So uh, we can go uh, position by position here, um, starting with uh, offense uh, here. So uh, I have uh, three quarterbacks on the roster. I think we'll, we'll be pretty aligned here. Uh, Hertz, Flacco, and now Gardner Minshew. Yep. We're aligned on that. All one. right. Uh, for the running backs, I have um, Miles Sanders, Boston Scott, Jordan Howard, Kenny Gainwell, and uh, Jason Huntley. Where uh, last uh, time I had Carry On Johnson slotted Howard in there for him, even though I haven't really seen Howard play in the preseason. Yeah. So I have four here, and the only difference being is I don't see them having Jason Huntley. On their initial 53, I think he could potentially um, have a spot once they kind of put somebody on the IR 
who has to make it to the 53 first. And the only, I, I think he could certainly make it. And if he does, I think he's probably like in the like last five guys of the roster. But I think they probably have some sense of like assuredness that they can get him onto or get him through waivers just because like he barely played last year and he was he was a he didn't make the fifty three man from the Lions last year and the Eagles got him on waivers, so it's I don't know. We he we didn't see much of him last year and even though he remained on the team all of last year, I think they have a good shot at getting him through waivers. I, I see them cutting him. Yeah, I uh I have him on there. Um for for two reasons like he did see the field a bit uh, as a running back but also uh, they use him uh in special team situations as well so i think the the versatility there uh would uh put him on the roster uh so uh, uh i understand what what you're saying but i would i would think the odd man out of that group would be uh jordan howard versus uh huntley i think huntley's versatility will keep him uh in the conversation but if they sort of are confident he'll he'll go through waivers and and they can keep them then uh i think they that makes a lot of sense um uh this might be uh a little uh differing here but for receivers i have six um, and I cut two of the ones from last time so i have Devonte smith Greg Ward, Quez Watkins, Jalen Rager, JJ Ortega Whiteside, and Markin Michelle. Oh, <laughs> hate that one. Cutting <laughs> Travis Fulgham and uh, Hightower. Wow. And I, I added Michelle there because he had a lot of uh, second half time and uh, seemed pretty like reliable on. Uh, pretty easy plays i think that he might not see the field ever but uh, i think he seemed to be like a reliable can catch the ball and run type type guy you throw in there if there's an injury or or something like that in the 17 it's wearing number 17 like that's that's like a guy who plays number gotcha so i think the only difference that we have uh i have fulgham in and I never even considered Mark and Michelle. So real quick, I got Smith, Rager, Watkins as the starters. And then uh, in some other order, Fulgham, Ward, Ortega, Whiteside. And I could see it coming down like I, this is my prediction, but I could see the Eagles going with one of Fulgham or Whiteside. But I think ultimately there's arguments to bring in both, like the new staff, seeing what they can do with Arthago Whiteside. Like he still is only in his third season, even though he's pretty much done nothing in his first two seasons. Um, so, I mean, that's probably the best argument you can make for keeping him on the team. And then for Fulgham, I know that he's probably had the most disappointing camp of any player, but if you look at the wide receiver group, he's been the most productive guy. Like you can take Devonte Smith out of that because he's a rookie, but He's been the most productive wide receiver in, of the group. And I, I almost don't really care that he sucked this preseason. Like, I just want to see what he is come regular season. Yeah, I just feel like he had the, the pr pretty nice stretch of four or five games and then uh, reverted back to what he, what he is. Like, I think he, uh, there were reports last season in practice with drops, with uh, work ethic stuff. Um, he didn't really see the field at all. Uh, he attributed to that uh, Alshon coming back, but also before Alshon came back, he was sort of on, on the decline. Uh, you can say that there was bad quarterback play last year as well. I, I agree that that wouldn't have helped him, but also um, that seemed to have translated in, in, into camp this year and having some issues on the field uh, in this preseason. So I think it's emblematic of a trend, and uh, I don't think that this will be a bad take like my Nick Mullins take, but we will <laughs> see. I want him to be good. Like, yeah, 13 is like a great number. 
he he looked really good in those few games last year like he would be a really good weapon if he can put it together but i uh, think that the what he has shown so far is that he's trending more towards the player that has struggled than than the player that has had success yeah i think you just gotta ride the upside even if you haven't seen it this um this summer like he's got more upside than ward uh white side i mean not, not to speak too soon but like potentially rager even if he hasn't like shown it i think you just gotta give him a roster spot and see if he can find it again and if he doesn't you can cut him later in the season yeah if it's as simple as that then then i agree with you but i, I just uh, uh i'm i'm viewing him as a player not as within the context of of the the wide receiver group we have so um, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, moving on to tight end, I have four still. Uh, obviously, Tyree Jackson had the injury. So I have Goddard, Ertz, and Richard Rogers, and I slotted in Jack Stoll. I think that they uh, will run uh, four tight ends on the roster. So I wanted to keep that number. Wait, can you tell me that again? Ertz, so Goddard, like Rogers, and Stoll. Okay, so what do you have them doing with Tyree Jackson? Well, he's out for the year. No, he's it. He's not out for the year. Yeah, I mean, he could be. Wasn't it? Is it eight to ten months or weeks? Weeks. Oh, <laughs> that that might change. Okay, so what's your what's your? Uh, All right. what's your yeah, that explains some confusion. Okay. So I have it as Dallas Scotter, Zach Ertz, Tyree Jackson, and Jack Stoll. So I think they'll put. So in theory, like they could, although I, I will say, I think it's unlikely for them to do it at this point. They could put him on the IR before cut down. That would just take him out for the season. Yeah, right. Okay. But for him to uh, be activated at some point this season, he has to be on the 53. Yeah. So if if he's on the 53, right. So he's on the 53. And then they put him on IR, he can come back. Yeah. If he's on the IR now and he doesn't make the 53, he's out for the year. Right. Okay. Great. And, <laughs> and notably, Richard Rogers, uh, I think I could see him likely being on the team at some point, but since he is a veteran, a vested veteran, and he won't be exposed to waivers, I think they'll cut him and potentially bring him back for like week two. So they don't have to guarantee his full salary for the season. But it's like once you put Tyree Jackson on the 53 and IR him, that frees up the spot. You can bring Richard Rogers back or you can just leave him and take him, see if he wants to come back when you need him. But yeah, Tyree Jackson on since last time, same with Jack Stoll and Richard Rogers out for me. Uh, for offensive line, uh, Lane Johnson, Jason Kelsey, Brandon Brooks, Andre Diller, Jordan Mailata, Nate Herbig, Isaac Samalo, Jack Driscoll, and I dropped off Prior, who I had last time, and added Toth. Gotcha. So, so how many is that? Guy. That's nine. Cool. Um, and what do you have with Landon Dickerson? Uh, Dickerson, I think, will be um, either like pop or or injured or yeah, he won't cool. be as uh, he won't take a roster spot. Yeah, so I also had Dickerson off the fifty three because I think we'll be on the NFI. So I got the starters we just listed, and in addition to those five, I have Andre Dillard, who. I think they would love to trade, but ultimately they won't find a deal worth taking. Uh, Jack Driscoll, Nate Herbig, and Brett Toth. So that is my five. Or, sorry, that's my nine. So you included Herbig? I did. Okay. I, I missed that. Okay. Uh, and, or, sorry, just real quick. Guys of like, guys who I wouldn't be surprised to make it, but I left off. I did have LaRaven Clark on there, but I ultimately replaced him with Brett Toth. And I think Sua Peta's gotten a good amount of uh, second string snaps. I could see him making it, but I think because he doesn't have any tackle versatility, that's why I have Toth. Yeah. Um, defensive line, I have nine. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. 
Uh, sorry, I have 10 actually. Mm-hmm. Maybe I didn't add this right. Um, not good at math. Uh, Ryan Kerrigan, Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, Javon Hargrave, Josh Sweat, Milton Williams, Derek Barnett, Asan Ridgeway, Raquan Williams, and T.Y. McGill. And I wow. cut Tui Pelotu from my uh, list went, last year. You went heavy at defensive tackle. Yeah. Uh, Got to so win I'm, in the trenches. I will say I have... I too have Marlon Tui Pelotu off, who I initially had on. I think he's kind of had a disappointing camp, but hopefully they feel good about squeaking him onto the practice squad. I also took Hassan Ridgeway off, since I believe at this point he's also a, vet, a vested veteran. Uh, so my my nine between edge and defensive tackle are. Graham, Barnett, Sweat, Kerrigan, Teron Jackson. I forget, did you have Teron Jackson? Or no. no. Okay, so that's a difference. And then uh, Fletcher Cox, Hargrave, Milton Williams, and T.Y. McGill. And the only difference there are the two guys I mentioned, Ridgeway and Tui Pelotu, exiting and T.Y. McGill entering. Okay, uh, uh, linebackers I got. Uh, Eric Wilson, TJ Edwards, Davion Taylor, and Alex Singleton. I got four. Wow. I, I um, took off Jannard uh, Avery to add um, T.Y. McGill. So who do you have them being the Sam linebacker if you're not going with Avery? I guess I don't have one. <laughs> Interesting. You think they're just going to lose that part of the playbook? Well, uh, uh yeah. Uh, yeah, I would, I would keep Avery. I should have, I had an extra safety. I see. So I, I went with, uh, so we'll add Avery on there. Okay. I went with, uh, Wilson, Singleton and Edwards as the, uh, first three linebackers and Davion Taylor, who I think could be an IR candidate once they get him on the 53, um, Jannard Avery, same deal. I think he has a lingering groin issue. And then Patrick Johnson has like a healthy Sam option. And even though I know this doesn't matter for the final 53, but once they get, if they decide to do this, they could put Taylor and Avery on the IR and potentially get one of Sean Bradley or Jacoby Stevens. But as of now, those two are not on my 53. And the difference from last time is uh, Patrick Johnson is now in this group. Yeah, I cut Sean Bradley from from this group from last time. Um, uh, Defensive back, I have Darius Slay, Steven Nelson, Kayvon Wallace, Anthony Harris, Rodney McLeod, Avante Maddox, Zach McPherson, and Andrew Adams. Okay. And I added Marcus Epps, but I took him off to keep Avery. (laughs) Um, All right, so you have him cutting Josiah Scott. Yep. Interesting. So I have cornerbacks, Slay, Nelson, Maddox, starters, uh, McPherson, and Josiah Scott. Uh, difference from last 53, I have them cutting Craig James. I think not only is he hurt, but I think he's a guy that they could potentially get back on the team when he's healthy or after they stash a few guys on IR. And then with the safeties, I have McLeod, Harris, Wallace and Epps, no Adams, but that's the same as I had it previously. Mm-hmm. And then our special teams, I feel like are the same. Uh, Jake Elliott, Rick Lovato, and Sipos. So you're telling me you don't have Lovato as a secret cut? For no. Maneuvering? No. <laughs> you had much more maneuvering than I than I did. Um, I should mention yeah. quickly, I have the same three here. So. Okay, good. Um, <laughs> yeah, so... Um, uh, yeah, so we'll uh, see the final cut down on Tuesday and see who was right, who was wrong. Uh, if Jannard Avery will be there, if Marcus Epps will be there. Uh, so s- stay tuned for that next week. Um, the other, uh, interesting thing, uh, from this week, 
is uh, the Athletic uh, released the NFL agent survey. Um, and one uh, particular question that was posed to uh, 33 agents. Um, uh, and all, all of these answers were uh, anonymous um, was uh, among the GMs or front office leaders, who do you trust the least? They, of course, had a who do you trust the most? Uh, you got Bill Belichick, you got the Colts uh, GM, who do you trust the least? least? And uh, the, with the most votes of seven uh, was Howie Roseman. Um, uh, and do you want to share some of those quotes? Sure. Um, one agent says, he's always playing both sides at all times. He's not dishonest. He's a hedger. Always make sure he has a side deal. Um, why? Because he's Howie. I would have said former agent team president, or sorry, former Washington team president, Bruce Allen, but he's gone. Yeah, so um, it seems that uh, Howie's not very trustworthy. I, I understand the sort of maneuvering, uh, but it does shine a bit of a light into uh, the Eagles as a free agent uh, sort of uh, acquiring struggling entity. Uh, uh, also, you know, they've, they've had the cap issues lately, but, um, the, the sort of, uh, hints of Yannick Ngakwe coming here and, um, who else am I thinking of? Someone well, else? Well, the Yannick thing, that was, that wasn't free agency. That, that was, oh, that was a that trade, was, but two GMs like kind of negotiating over draft capital. Yeah. So but, like uh, when you saw this, what, like what was your takeaway and how much like, I feel like we'll have differing opinions here, but like, what was your gut reaction? And ultimately like, how important do you think this is, if at all? Uh, my my gut reaction was uh, feeling like it would impede the Eagles acquiring players uh, in a not tangible way and like a, a grand scheme of like where the the person making deals on the team's behalf is like not trusted among among agents. Um, so, uh, it, it immediately made me think that the Eagles are like hampered by his presence in making deals. Um, but in a specific way, I wouldn't really be able to, to say so. Um, mostly probably because like every, every deals its own unique thing. Um, yeah, it hasn't impeded him making sort of the fringe deals. Um, I'm not sure, like, if I would say this Minshew deal is like emblematic of that not being true, but um, uh, it just it just feels like uh, it it definitely isn't like a help. Um, it's sort of like you could flip it and and think like, oh, how he just does his due due diligence and agents are are taking it personally, but um, uh, it it struck me as a negative initially. Gotcha. So like, I'll agree with you, like on the principle there, like I agree it's not good news. And like, it is like on a very fundamental level, like negative, of course you don't want your GM to be like the least trustful front office person in the league, or like at least getting the most responses of it. But I'll say like, I don't, think this is so bad like I think a lot of people who read this might take it as like awful news but like we got to remember that like the Eagles are always seen as this kind of like lightning rod team as far as how active they are when it comes to free agents or trades so like Hallie Roseman probably talks to the most agents in the NFL if you had to take a guess and I will I will say like nobody here is saying like bad things about them like they're definitely not positive but like people are saying he's not honest and or he's not dishonest I should say and that like he's like a haggler 
which is like fine like my takeaway is like good it sounds like how he's like he's let me see the one quote like um Howie will do what Howie needs to do. I say that with tremendous reverence, but I don't trust him. Like, okay, I don't think you need to have a fundamental um, understanding of trust between an agent who has his priority as the needs of his client, the player, and Howie, whose priority is the needs of a team. Like, ultimately, those will be at odds frequently. And if you have a guy who's putting in that much due diligence and effort to fight for the team. I think that's like, while that is a good thing for the team, I'm not surprised that an agent would get frustrated with a guy who is kind of working on both sides and having kind of like contingency plans out the wazoo. I just, you know, it's not great news, but I, I would, I would argue that like great in the bias here, he's not making these agents, jobs or lives any easier i don't think he has an obligation for that but what i would what i will say is that there is definitely like a line you don't want to cross here and that's when it impacts um agents and their players when it comes to like having them being suitors i think if they if you ever crossed that line that would be a red flag but from what i'm seeing here it sounds like these are just like a few salty agents who've had some phone calls that didn't go they didn't go the way they wanted and they think that like how he's trying to work them. So that's my takeaway. Like it's not it's not good, but overall it's not awful and it's kind of amusing in my opinion. Yeah, it is interesting, like um receiving uh two votes. Uh for among the GMs whom you trust the most uh, is uh, included is uh, uh, Bill Belichick. And then among GMs who you trust the least with six votes, one less than Howie is Patriots coach Bill Belichick. So um, to, to compare like this list, the trust the most GMs, uh, Broncos, Colts, Seahawks um, got the most votes. So you know, the Broncos haven't been good of late, uh, but they have had won a Super Bowl in the last what, decade. Um, uh, Colts are a borderline playoff team to to strong playoff team. They were a strong team last year and Seahawks are consistently very good. Um, and then as far as who do you trust the least, you have Eagles, Patriots, Jets and Jets and Dolphins. So. Uh, as far as like my perspective of if it's hindering your, your team and, and making your team worse or having a, a lesser track record, it seems to be pretty even on uh, trust the most and trust the least. So that might go to your point of uh, it doesn't really matter in the end. But, yeah, I would say so. until there's evidence that suggests that like the Eagles front office is having trouble like lowering or negotiating with free agents or like certain agents are pulling their players out of consideration in trades. Like this sounds like Hallie Roseman is like throwing some agents through a loop, through a loop, through a hoop. And like, to me, this is like, it's not surprising here that agents aren't in love with him. Like yeah. Howie keeps all the cars to himself and he sounds like he has a bunch of backup plans and, He's always like ready to like negotiate the hell out of something. Like, cool. I mean, as a fan, I like my takeaway is that's good. Like he's he's always trying to get the best deal for a player, even if that means he might ruffle the feathers of a few agents. As long as it's not uh like destroying any relationships or kind of burning any bridges with players, like I don't think that it really has an impact on the team yeah i think i think you've uh you've swayed me mostly on, on this uh on this take it, it is uh very funny and fitting that that it is the eagles on the on the least trustworthy but uh, uh maybe it really has no uh no real impact here um and not to sound like a howie stand like he's definitely made plenty of mistakes over the past 
few seasons, but I think overall he gets more flack than he really should. I think like some players are, or some fans are just like, they have like this Howie angst about them. And I don't know, he's kind of turned into like a, a punching bag. And I don't think he really deserves as much as he should. Yeah, well, time will tell if all these moves uh, work out uh, in the Eagles' favor or not, or if there's still more moves to come. Um, but uh, that's that's all that's all we got. You got anything else? Let's see who wins the 53 man. Yep. Uh, may may the best man win, and uh, maybe we'll have some uh, stakes to this uh, next weekend. But we'll we'll go over those results uh, after cut down day on, on Tuesday, some point next week. Uh, So for Mike, I'm Ian, and thanks for listening.